0: Welcome to a new weekly podcast series called USURF Spotlight, hosted by the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, an independent federal advisory body. During each episode, Director of Outreach and Policy, Dwight Bashir, features a special guest to dive deeper on various topics and breaking developments that impact the universal right to freedom of religion or belief around the globe.
1: Welcome to You Spotlight, I'm Dwight Bashir. Today we're going to talk about recent developments in the northern Tigray region of Ethiopia that have had significant implications for freedom of religion or belief. Ethiopia is a country that's been going through a democratic transition amidst the civil war that broke out in Tigray this past November. Since information about a massacre that took place when the civil war broke out in November was slow to be reported more widely, USURF has been closely monitoring uh, the situation and the violations taking place in the region and more broadly in Ethiopia. We'll also learn more today about a recent visit to Ethiopia and Eritrea by U.S. Special Envoy for the Horn of Africa, Ambassador Jeffrey Feltman, as well as the subsequent announcement by the State Department that it would impose sanctions on individuals responsible for human rights violations in the Tigray region. Today we have with us USURF Policy Analyst and East Africa Specialist Mohi Omer to go deeper on these issues. Welcome, Mohi. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yes, great to have you. Why don't we begin with a little background about recent Uh, political developments in Ethiopia. you know, since assuming office uh, in April of uh, 2018, Prime Minister uh, Ahmed promised to transform the country by advancing human rights and political reforms, including uh, religious freedom for all Ethiopians. Can you tell us about his reform agenda a bit and whether you've seen any movement on it? Indeed.
0: Uh, Shortly after assuming office, the prime minister initiated several reforms, including, for example, expanding freedom of the press by inviting Ethiopian media in the exile to return to Ethiopia. One example of this is the return of the Ethiopian satellite TV, which was based here in Washington, D.C. The prime minister also released all political prisoners and closed detentions. He also played a main role in reconciling rival factions within the Ethiopian church, for which he won an award. Uh, He also embarked on a major security sector reform by replacing top military officials, including the chief of staff, the director of the National Intelligence and Security Services, and the National Security Advisor. Additionally, the prime minister announced a large-scale privatization of state-owned enterprises and liberalized key economic sectors. In terms of foreign policy, the prime minister negotiated with neighboring Eritrea to end the two decade long conflict between the two countries in 2018, right after he came to office. Because of that, he was able to win the Nobel Peace Prize. He also played a main role in mediating peace talks between the rivals in South Sudan, as well as between the Sudanese military And the civilians after the Sudanese revolution. However, recently human rights organizations such as Human Rights Watch have reported that human rights conditions in the country uh, have been deteriorating. And the good example of this is that the Prime Minister's government has been detaining Ethiopian journalists and limiting the freedom of international press by suspending their licenses. And Reuters uh, was one of the newspapers experienced this, as well as issuing warning to them. BBC was one of the news uh, media who received this warning from the Ethiopian government. And the government also has been shutting down the internet to cut communication between uh, opposition parties. all of this together, these actions have greatly impacted human rights conditions in the country, including religious freedom.
1: So Leah, let's go ahead and transition to the current uh, time. Thanks for that background to so the current civil war in Tigray, uh, Tigray that has really, um, you know, taken some people by surprise uh, in some uh, circles. Could you give us some background about why the war broke out and uh, how it has specifically impacted the religious freedom in the country. Absolutely. The war broke out because of one
0: disagreement between the national government and the regional government of Tigray, which is led by the uh, Tigray People's Liberation Front. So the national government decided to delay elections, national unparliamentary elections due to COVID-19. And the regional government, however, the regional government, which is, again, led by the Tigray People's Liberation Front, TPLF, rejected the decision of the national government, citing that it violated the Constitution. The TPLF defied the decision of the national government and held elections, winning all the contestant seats in the region's parliament. In response, the prime minister's government redirected funds from the top level of the Tigray regional government to the lower level of the government in an effort to weaken the TPLF. After back and forth between the regional government and the national government, uh, the prime minister ordered the Ethiopian National Defense Army into the Tigray region in November of 2020, claiming that the TPLF had attacked the northern military bases and headquarters. The the TPLF confronted the national army, and that was the beginning of the war. Since the war has taken a regional shape with the involvement of the Eritrean army to support the Ethiopian national army, the Ethiopian government restricted media access for months since the war broke out. Uh, ultimately, they were allowed, the government allowed media, and that's when we heard about the horrific situation that took place in, in, in Tigray, actually taking place in Tigray. The military's actions, whether it's the Ethiopian military or the Eritrean military or the Tigray uh, regional military, their actions have greatly impacted human rights issues in the country, including religious freedom. Integrate specifically.
1: Yeah. So tell us more specifically now about some of what that looks like and why, uh, from a religious freedom vantage point, we're concerned. I mean, there, you know, there was information as you said that didn't come out till weeks after a massacre, uh, in which uh, you know communities were simply, uh, you know, uh, attacked and 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 some really uh, gruesome pictures. There. Can you tell us specifically about how? Uh, And what, uh, uh, in in terms of these violations, impacted uh, the religious communities?
0: Absolutely. So there have been reports about the abuses allegedly committed by both the Ethiopian National Army and the Eritrean National Army, specifically these two groups. For example, in early November of 2020, the Ethiopian National Army attacked and killed hundreds of civilians while hiding at the ground of the Mary uh, of Zion Church. Uh, this church, just yes, uh, to share this with, with the audience, this church is 1,600 years old. It's one of the oldest in the world, for that matter. In November of 2020, a Najaf Mosque in Wukru, one of the oldest in Africa, also was was attacked and severely damaged, including its dome. And there were pictures circulating on social media showing how much uh, damage that specific mosque uh, experienced. And in late November, uh, Eritrean troops in Tigray killed hundreds of civilians at the Axum Church. And in the same month, uh, we we saw that the Emmanuel Orthodox Church in Ukhu was also reportedly looted by uh soldiers and these soldiers are part of this whether they're ethiopian part of the ethiopian uh, national army or the Eritrean national army however uh we we have to make this clear that the government has rejected these allegations and promised a joint investigation with uh international actors that's yet to be seen And, and and again i i have to point this out that that uh, these events show a lack of concern by both sides involved in in the civil war for the integrity of houses of worship and freedom of worship as guaranteed under un, under the international law.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, we we've seen uh, multiple uh, scenarios where when there's conflict, armed conflict, and these kinds of conflagrations, we. Uh, we see that places of worship are targeted. One of the priorities of the commission over the past few years of ways in which we can try to prevent some of these, but in, when, there, when there's a open conflict going on, it's even more complicated. There've also been reports about a dire humanitarian crisis in the region due to this conflict now you know, running on eight months old. Have, have people been forced to flee their homes during their current fighting? What's, what's the situation, the humanitarian situation as a consequence of these attacks? Absolutely, uh, the war uh, have had
0: or has had this devastating impact on on the uh, local population. Uh, people were forced to become IDPs and refugees. The UN reported that thousands of civilians were killed, and more than two million were forced to. Uh, to become internally displaced or uh, become refugees in in refugee camps in in neighboring Sudan. Uh, A few actually uh, months ago that a lot of refugees arrived in in Sudan, the border between Sudan and and Ethiopia, thousands of them. And just last month uh, or last week actually, last uh, Thursday, The UNA chief reported that there is a famine in Ethiopia today. He reported that is happening right now. That's the level of the impact of the war on uh, Ethiopian and and Ethiopians in general. And he even shared a number of, you know, north of 350,000 people are in dire need of food and basic supplies as of last week. So the the impact is great on on the residents of Tigray and then also on on Ethiopia at, at large, not only Ethiopia, but also neighboring Sudan, receiving thousands of refugees in addition to refugees already living in the country. So the war has impact not only on Ethiopia, but on the region at large.
1: Well, and obviously that's what prompted uh, last month a visit by the newly appointed uh, special envoy uh, for Africa. Ambassador Jeffrey Feltman and his team visited the Horn of Africa region, including Ethiopia and Eritrea, uh, as this conflict has been playing out. Um, And upon their return uh, to DC from the visit, the State Department immediately announced sanctions uh, against individuals responsible for grave human rights violations in the Tigray region in particular. So how is this visit perceived by Ethiopians from your perspective, and, and how do these sanctions help advance the human rights situation, in particular, uh, religious freedom, because of the, the, the targeting of places of worship, kind of in the, the collateral damage, so to speak, but we know full well that, that uh, there, there's also targeting purposefully. Do these sanctions, you know, help in that regard, or what, what can you tell us about that?
0: Yes, the ambassador and the deputy ambassador, uh, Peyton North, they they both were uh, in the region uh, last month to mainly address the specific issues, including the interlinked regional crisis, such as the Ethiopian down crisis between Sudan, Ethiopia, and Egypt, as well as the border dispute between Sudan and Ethiopia. They were also there to seek a ceasefire to the civil war that is taking place in the Tigray region. Uh, And in addition, they were there to negotiate humanitarian access uh, to the Tigray region, and also transition uh, to democracy in Ethiopia—a genuine transition to democracy—and also they discussed the presence of the Eritrean forces in in Ethiopia, and and finally they also discussed uh, holding individuals, you know, responsible for human rights abuses accountable. And it, it, upon their return, you're right—they they announced uh, a host of sanctions. Uh, hosts of sanctions on individuals. Again, those are on individuals that are responsible for human rights abuses in the Tigray region. These uh, sanctions include visa restrictions for Ethiopians and Eritrean uh, government officials and members of security forces, and also restrictions on economic and security assistance to Ethiopia, and and finally restrictions of aid uh, to Eritrea. So according to reports, uh, the visit was warmly welcomed by uh, specifically by, by ethiopians in general but those who are impacted by 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 the ongoing war so the the visit was perceived uh, positively as well as the actions that the us government is taking to address this dire uh, crisis in 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 the tigray region uh, is is being seen uh, as a positive step
1: now, finally, we get to you know our final question here. Uh, really, how can the U.S. government and, and the broader international community, you know, support uh, an, an end to this conflict that's having grave impact on uh, religious communities, their places of worship, and broader human rights abuses? Uh, because, frankly, you know, we we know that uh, the the accountability piece is important, but what are some of the things that uh, the the U.S. and its partners can do to try to alleviate the actual uh, the actual violations on the ground going forward? Absolutely, um, I believe that the the U.S.
0: government and its partners can do a lot to help with to help alleviate and ultimately end the conflict in in Ethiopia. Uh, these are basically they they have already announced uh, sanctions. And in addition to that, we would encourage them to continue to hold government officials responsible for human rights violations accountable. And also by working with our allies to push for a true and genuine transition to democracy in Ethiopia. This is extremely important because the war broke into cry. One of the reasons is because of the people and the leadership in that part of the country feeling that they were not included in the national government. So that's important that we work together with our allies around the world to make sure that there is a true uh, inclusive transition to democracy that reflects the diversity of Ethiopia. In addition to that, uh, the international community, led by the US in this case, can demand the the withdrawal of the Ethiopian troops, uh, the Eritrean troops, from Ethiopia because a lot of the people in Tigray or the leadership in Tigray perceive this as an invasion and they see it as a systematic kind of attack against them. So for any future kind of ceasefire, in this case would definitely require that Eritrea withdraw its military from Northern Ethiopia. And finally, by ensuring that yesterday's national election that Ethiopia held uh, is free and fair by the participation of many people. The State Department last week actually put a a press release out there uh, voicing concern about holding elections in the current situation in Ethiopia. And also the European Union did the same. Actually, the European Union decided even not to send any Uh, election observers to Ethiopia. So working with our allies to make sure that these elections are fair and free and the prime minister is held uh, responsible and held, held accountable for the promise he made to his people that he's going to lead transition to democracy and making sure that pressuring his government to do that is extremely important to kind of transition from this moment. As we mentioned earlier, the situation is dire and people continue to suffer until a doable solution is is afforded to the crisis in Tigray.
1: Well, we'll have to leave it right here. I want to thank you, Sir, Policy Analyst Mohi Omer for his insights today into this complicated situation. We'll certainly continue to monitor conditions closely and report on developments should they be warranted uh, as things develop. Feel free to visit our website for more information uh, at www.uscirf.gov. As always, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on You Spotlight.
0: To learn more about USurf and about global religious freedom concerns, visit usurf.gov. That's uscirf.gov. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at USCIRF. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week for another USurf Spotlight.